welcome to the Pennsylvania Chamber's All Business Podcast, featuring the perspectives and unique insights of the Commonwealth's most dynamic executives, entrepreneurs, and leaders. My name is Rick Moran, Director of Marketing for the PA Chamber. And this is Bill Miller, Senior Member Executive at the PA Chamber. Our guest today is Chuck Hoover, General Manager of Meta Reality Labs based in Pittsburgh. We had a great conversation with Chuck today. If you've been paying attention to the news at all, you probably heard that Facebook has rebranded to Meta. And you probably heard the term metaverse thrown around quite a bit. In our conversation, we talk about what it is, where it's going. We talk about Meta's presence in Pittsburgh and why they're there, why they're happy to be there, and what the future is. We also talk about why it's important for businesses of all sizes to be paying attention to Meta and the metaverse so they can be better prepared for the future. Without any further ado, here's our conversation today with Chuck Hoover. We're here today with Chuck Hoover, who's the general manager of Meta Reality Labs right here in Pittsburgh. Chuck, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me, Bill. Really excited to chat. You know what? Our first, you know, really want to get into a lot of folks across the the state of Pennsylvania don't realize the, the really significant presence that Meta has in the Pittsburgh area. Just, you know, talk to us about what's going on in Pittsburgh and, uh, and the exciting things that are happening at your at your location. Yeah, no, thanks for bringing that up. It is it is a really interesting place here, and uh, you know, of course, at Meta, formerly uh, Facebook, we we actually have a few different sites here in Pittsburgh working on different aspects of the future of augmented and virtual reality. But the main focus here in Pittsburgh is is actually a, a very long term R and D effort around. Uh, basically building out the future of connection, right? A lot of us connect over the internet these days in, uh, I guess what I would call kind of suboptimal mediums, right? We're able to keep up with each other over text messages or social networks asynchronously. You know, we're, over this last year, we've all become very accustomed to video chats and video conferences, but none of these communication mediums really replicate real life. They don't they're not optimized towards what we as humans have evolved to be able to communicate with, right? It's not, it's not body language. It's not those nuanced micro expressions. It's not turn taking, uh, you know, those social interactions that you're able to have when you're sitting at a dinner table with a group of friends or, or with your family, that real life interaction is so meaningful for us as humans. And the internet attempts to connect us, but it breaks all sorts of those little connections. Even things like eye contact on Skype or Zoom are, you know, and, and just the lag on video conference conversations that we've all experienced that make it so hard to have natural turn-taking and conversations. So our, that, our mission, oh, go ahead, Bill. No, I was gonna say, I mean, that's amazing. And But, but what drew Meta, uh, obviously, you know, just wanna remind everybody that was Facebook and Facebook, we all know really, really well but Facebook has become meta, but what drew meta to Pittsburgh to kind of put its anchor down here for some of this amazing research? Yeah, it's, a, it's absolutely the talent base here uh, in, in Pittsburgh and, and then the region at large. Um, you know, originally our, our kind of lead researcher for this work, Yasser Sheikh, uh, was kind of the original uh, foundation of this lab, given his research around virtual humans, virtual telepresence, and, and really, that, you know, the goal of being able to have in-person conversations across any distance. So it was 
it was Yasser who was here uh, at CMU uh, as a professor at the time, uh, which is really the original foundation of this lab. But, you know, the reason that Facebook and Meta were interested in building out a presence here was the, you know, the amazing uh, technical talent that's in this region, you know, based on the universities and other companies uh, in, in Pittsburgh, uh, but, but also the surrounding city. So it was a good, good beachhead for, for Meta to develop a, a series of labs out here. You know, as you're doing this work, and I'm sure you're, part of your role is trying to recruit people to come to Pittsburgh, uh, to come and, and work on a project like this. Has that been a challenge for you to recruit folks who may not be as familiar with the, with the amazing tech ecosystem in Pittsburgh? Yeah, it's uh, you know it's interesting. Before you know, I've been in the the Pittsburgh region working in in tech fields for about fifteen years now, and early on in that time period, it was a challenge. It was really hard to attract uh, talent into this region. There was uh, there was you know a much smaller ecosystem of companies here doing work like this, but I've seen a massive change over the last fifteen years, especially in the last five or six. Uh, we have, you know, so much, so many more companies building out research labs here. Uh, a lot of talent coming out of universities that have decided to stay and build new startups. And it's become really easy to get world-class talent. You know, we, you know, our lab is incredibly international. We've pulled in people from all over the world to join this effort, which is really exciting. Uh, and it's been an easy case. You know, we've, we've been able to bring, you know, top-tier talent, uh, people who, specialized roles, uh, you know, from, from all over the globe, uh, to Pittsburgh. What do you think surprises them most when they get to Pittsburgh? Oh yeah. I mean, uh, it's interesting, you know, it's hard to say now cause, uh, or it's hard to reference this now cause it's December and it's kind of gray out, but, uh, <laughs> get a lot of people shocked at how green the city is, right? I think we all kind of take it for granted that this is, you know, the, the topography of this city is such that, you can really feel like you're out in nature, even down in the point, right? You know, with, with Mount Washington and so many parks. And then I think there's people are really surprised by how much culture it's here, right? Um, that's one of the things I love about Pittsburgh, you know, based on, you know, it's kind of long legacy uh, back when it was one of the largest cities in the U.S., how much deep culture there is from, you know, the, the museums and the arts here. Uh, but especially with all the, the universities and the focus on education in this region, I don't think most people expect that uh, when they come out here to visit and, and when we've relocated people here. They've always been really shocked and, and pleasantly surprised as they've you know, built their new lives here. Well, that's interesting. And obviously, you're talking about building something incredibly new. Over the past month or so, I don't think I've heard the word metaverse as much of <laughs> As, I, as I've heard, I was in fact I was I was talking to my son the other day, and he was talking about needing to purchase uh, Nikes for his online avatar. So we're, we're, we've already sort of jumped to this place now where, where folks are living these online lives. Can you tell us what is the metaverse? If you, if you were you know talking to someone that maybe is you know not as familiar with it, what exactly is augmented reality? What is the metaverse? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I guess the first thing I would I would certainly mention to anyone who's not really familiar with the term of anyone who's talking about the metaverse now, it's it's kind of like you're talking about what the internet is going to be in the late 70s, early 80s, in that there's lots of possibilities here. And 
there's not a concrete expectation of what this is going to be built out toward, although there's there's lots of efforts to build out what we want the metaverse to be, what we think it should be. Uh, but, you know, in my mind, it's not one single technology, but really more of a shift in how we think about and interact with technology. I mean, I, maybe another way to say it is, you know, we've have this kind of fundamental desire to evolve the internet of, of what it's going to be next, how it's going to expand and evolve. So I do look at the metaverse as the next stage of the internet, but the internet's really been optimized for efficiency, right? It's, you know, the difference between when you used to walk around your favorite bookstore to now going a book and, you know, purchasing a book online, right? It's a much more efficient system. It's probably much more effective. You can read reviews and compare prices, but, what we've lost is kind of the experience of that, right? It's no longer a human experience. It's it's the, you know, we've bent and I think lost a bit of experience in order to leverage the benefits of the, the internet. So in my mind, the, the metaverse is how do we bring that back? How do we create an internet that's not focused on efficiency, but focused on experience? And that's why it ends up being so tightly coupled to augmented and virtual reality. Those really go hand in hand. Because augmented and virtual reality are really how we bring ourselves into technology, how we build virtual worlds, how we're able to impact our, our senses in a way where we can experience these virtual realities uh, so that, you know, the, the way we think about the connectedness of the Internet, we can still gain those advantages and, and, and uh, the, the connectiveness that's there, but it can be really at a human scale for us. It can be connected to the way we interact with people through our, you know, through visuals and audio and how we move through spaces and interact with other people. Uh, so that's really how I think of the metaverse is, you know, what's what's the next step of the internet and how can it really be a place for humans uh, rather than a bunch of screens and websites? Yeah, I, th I think, um, you know, in preparation for this, I tried to watch some of the, you know, your, the videos that Mark Zuckerberg put out and it just, it just blows your mind because it's, it's almost like it's one of the first things I've heard of that the possibilities just seem endless. Um, and hearing you talk about the yeah. next evolution of the internet, it's really, really interesting to me. Um, and talking about, you know, the, the bookstores and if, if you guys don't mind, could you please, I was actually just explaining to my kids the experience of going to Blockbuster Video on a Friday night um, <laughs> and the excitement yep of, you know, walking through the store. Me and my wife, when we were in high school, that's what we did on Fridays. We went to the store and like picking out the video and like that, the whole concept of that being fun was completely lost on my children. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Why don't we just click a button? And I'm like, well, that was the thing. Like, <laughs> it was a whole, it was a whole, it was a whole 30 minute experience. And like, we kind of missed that. So that was what was popping to my head when you were explaining that. Um, and I think the possibilities, not that we're going to go back to that, but um, of maybe sort of, yeah, creating uh, not just an efficient system, but some, you know, a real true human experience. Yeah, that, that's that's a great way to think about it, Rick. It's like, how can we slow down and get some of that back? Um, but, you know, still, you know, we're we're not going to go back to Blockbuster Video. Right. So. So how do we get? Unfortunately, you know, no. But yeah. Right. <laughs> so how do we get our our streaming services? But is there a way to, to get that moment in there? And it's it's interesting, the, the Blockbuster example, because a lot of that, you know, fun and experience is little things, right? It's the shared space. It's the fact that, you know, you can walk down the aisle, you can see someone 20 feet away picking up a movie and nodding at it or, or 
you hear over here, you know, another couple or friend talking about a, you know, a, a DVD they picked up down the aisle or a VHS tape back in the day. And, and that, you know, even on video conferences, we're all our own little squares, our own little windows. And I think there's something exciting to think about, you know, if we really are to, able to build a virtual place where we as humans can be virtual humans in this environment, really in a way that's, that's indistinguishable from real life, can we, can you gain back those things like a sense of shared space and connection? Yeah, I think a lot of people when they when they hear the metaverse or they talk about augmented reality, I think they immediately jump to more of a, a gaming sense. Uh, you know, they they go back to World of Warcraft or they think of the the movie Ready Player One. But I know that there's also a, a tremendous opportunity for for businesses, for productivity, for connection between employees that maybe you know. For example, I work out of Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. Most of the chamber staff is in Harrisburg, for example. Can you talk a little bit about kind of the opportunity from a, a productivity and work standpoint that people may not be thinking about when they th think about the metaverse? Oh, yeah. No, that's a great question, Bill. And I think you're right. Like uh, gaming is certainly an a, a important aspect of augmented and virtual reality, but I think it is going to end up being a much smaller portion of what we come to think of as the metaverse just like a much smaller portion of the internet is gaming than is productivity and connection systems, right? Like that's, you know, the benefit of these technologies is the connectiveness, which is again, great for gaming, but you know, there's a lot of, lot of capabilities here. So yeah, I think to answer your question, there's kind of maybe two ways to think about it. One is what you consider more traditional productivity metrics. So this is, you know, imagine we're in a future where we have, Essentially, you know, I'm wearing glasses right now, but you know, let's say we have glasses that, that look like my normal everyday glasses, but allow me to, in the world, project a world lock screen like my laptop screen. Um, you could imagine, well, you know, first step is like, oh, well, maybe we could have a laptop with, with a screen as big as I want because the screen is just virtually floating there in my living room above my keyboard and I can, you know, it's it's projected in my glasses so I can put this screen anywhere and I can make it as large as I want. Well, and then you start talking about, well, okay, if that's true, why do I, why does this need to be a flat screen, right? Like, you know, there can be, I can have multiple screens. I could have information displayed, not in 2d at all, but 3d information. If I'm, you know, a mechanical engineer working on a project, I can have a virtual 3d prototype of it right next to me in front of the email I'm writing in front of a, uh, you know, a, a person I'm working with, these can all be shared together. But then you also think about other, other aspects. If, if I can display screens in the world, I can, you know, and, and these can look as if they're embedded in the real world. Okay. Do I even, at that point, do I even need a laptop at all? If all the compute is happening on the cloud and I have haptic interfaces and feedback so that I can type on my desk or, or in the air, you know, maybe there's no longer a computer. Maybe it's just these glasses. And then do I need televisions in my house? If I can have displays anywhere I want and it can be, you know, Bill, Rick, and I can all be looking at the same display if we're out at a restaurant or we can turn it off or have our own. You know, do we need things like televisions anymore? Do you even need street signs at that point, right? Do you need signage out in the world? Um, if I can, you know, turn off and on the signs and, and 
you know, road signs, you know, if I'm not driving a car, do I need to see, you know, the yield sign when I'm walking down the street, right? There's all sorts of things in the world that could be changed or modified, not just productivity, but how I interact with the, the world itself. Um, yeah, Rick. Yeah, and I, th I think some of those changes are already happening. Um, as you were talking, it made me think, I have a, a sister that's 11 years younger than, than me, and when she went off to college not, not too long ago, um, I was asking her, what, uh, you know, who's your roommate? Who's bringing the TV? Who's bringing the phone? And she's like, no one brings a TV to college anymore. <laughs> like what no because everything's done on their phone or done on their laptop and so i'm like we're already kind of creeping yeah. away from some of these standard you know technologies that we've had so yeah i mean maybe the glass yeah. example is is sort of like maybe where that's heading a little bit yeah when you i mean that also makes me think of the you know the other aspect of productivity is human interactions, right? You know, Bill, you mentioned a, a lot of your colleagues are not located here with you in Pittsburgh. And, you know, while much of our work, when we think of productivity, we often think of, you know, uh, you know, physical trades or, or maybe documentation or spreadsheets, or, you know, especially for knowledge workers. Um, you know, but really a lot of real productivity is human interaction, is conversations, discussions, connection with other people, working through problems together. And I don't know, I think that's potentially the most profound impact of these technologies, specifically the work we're attempting to build here in Pittsburgh is, you know, if we can represent ourselves with virtual avatars, and, and I'm not talking a, a you know, uh, a cartoony version of ourselves, but an actual avatar that looks, moves, and sounds precisely as we do. And if that can be represented by us to anywhere else in the world, the people we collaborate with truly can be anywhere, right? It, it means that, you know, you can build those connections, you can be productive, you can, you know, outside of productivity, simply build relationships and connections with such a more diverse group of people, which not only allows us to, you know, to, to excel in our work, but build empathy with, with each other in, in ways that I think are harder to do in, you know, current environments of, uh, you know, the, the internet and, and asynchronous, just text-based conversations, right? We, we as humans build empathy by physically seeing each other, right? Facial expressions and being in a shared space and the eye contact and body language. And, you know, the more we can build that, I think there's lots of ways to, to build deep connections with people in and outside of work. You know, so many of our members are smaller companies or mid-sized companies. Uh, we have over 9,000 members across Pennsylvania, approaching 10,000. If you were working at one of these companies or you had your own small company, what would you be thinking about in terms of the next five, 10 years and and the and the metaverse and what what should these companies be thinking about oh yeah no that's that's an interesting question i mean so this is a very foundational set of technologies or ways of evolving or adjusting technologies and i think the the best thing you can do in a position like that is pay attention right now is follow what's happening, is, is look at how the world is changing. And some of the ways it's changing are going to be temporary. They're going to be fads. They're going to be short-lived. And some of these changes are going to change the world. You know, it, it, again, it's kind of like 
talking about the internet in the in you know the late 70s or early 80s that you know is is that going to change your business fundamentally next year or the year after maybe not but you know from the point where the internet was discussed and kind of laughed at on the the evening news as you know evening news companies started talking about you know the world wide web to the point where it was one of the largest drivers of the economy in the entire country, let alone the world, that was about seven years, right? That was mid nineties to 2002, 2003, and it's only increased since then. So, you know, when this, when this impacts all of our businesses and, and communities and in what ways a little bit to be determined and the timeline of when that's going to start, you know, there's lots of variability there depending on the maturity of the technologies like augmented and virtual reality and the work that Meta and others are doing. But I do believe when that hits, it's going to be fast. And, and the folks that aren't paying attention and aren't following along are going to have a lot to catch up with, similar to how companies in the mid-90s who didn't figure out a way to pivot or grow their business, you know, that's going back to our Blockbuster video example uh, those are companies who had a hard time catching up. Has COVID accelerated this? I mean, we're living in something that none of us anticipated. And all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're working from home. People are, are, you know, telecommuting. Companies are telling their folks not to come back even now. You know, has this accelerated the, the dawn of the metaverse? Yeah, it's interesting. I don't know. I, I sometimes joke. It's like, man, I hope we're ready for, the, you know, I hope we're ready for the next pandemic. Like, let's, because <laughs> it would have been nice if we had these sort of technologies now, as we've all kind of struggled to, to adjust our lives to being so separate and, and disconnected physically, uh, hopefully in the short term and not the long term. Um, it has, I think, so Meta and Mark Zuckerberg have always had a really clear focus on the metaverse you know, long before our name change and a lot of the com public conversations, this is this has been a priority inside the company for for a number of years. And as part of the reason the Pittsburgh lab is here, uh, you know, we're really working on what's going to be some of the biggest payload for this this rocket ship as it as it lands. Um, but so so for us, I don't know that it's changed the urgency of the metaverse for us as a company but it's made it much easier to explain why it's important, right? I think everybody gets it now when we talk about how we could connect virtually over distance and how important that, you know, really what we're talking about, I know it's kind of funny sometimes, like what we're talking about is the importance of in-person communication, but then squaring that with how we do that virtually, right? And, you know, I think everybody in this lab you know, are very very much advocates for how much that can, that lack of connection has hurt us during this pandemic. And that's why we want to be able to build systems where that can be sustained across distances. So it's made it, I think it's given everybody continued confidence in this work and also made it a lot easier to talk to people about why we're doing this and why it's important. You know, Chuck, with, with you and in, in Pittsburgh, you know, one of the things we always like to ask is whether or not uh, state government, local government, uh, if, if they understand the opportunity that that your presence brings to the state, to Pittsburgh, and, and where they could potentially even be more helpful. Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, in, in general, Pennsylvania as a state has been 
really good to us and, and welcoming for Meta and, and supportive of our efforts and continued growth here as we build up the teams. I think for us, you know, the biggest opportunities for the state are to continue to uh, and maybe increase interest, investment, and focus in on pulling in high technology and talent into the region, um, highlighting the types of talent, both in terms of, you know, the, the companies and the startups here, but also the universities, uh, you know, finding ways to leverage that to pull in even more uh, of, of these sorts of companies into this region. I think this is definitely a case where a rising tide lifts all ships in terms of the the, the different companies that have come into Pittsburgh over the last decade or so that have really made this kind of a beachhead for a, you know, for, for Meta and, and other companies in the region, which helps us hire, which helps us grow, um, both in technical and non-technical roles. Like this isn't just the lab of research scientists and computer scientists. You know, we have we have many different disciplines and and folks from all walks of life and different backgrounds doing work here. Um, and it's been amazing to grow the team. But the, you know, the, the more that the state supports companies like this, the more companies like this will come here and continue and invest and continue to grow. I think there's also an opportunity to, to help invest in the people who are already here um, in, in how to support our local community um, who may not have traditional technology degrees. Uh, there are a number of different programs that I know go on in, in the region to uh, kind of build up uh, additional talent out of from, from folks that are here in Pittsburgh already who are interested in career shifts or job changes. And I think that's something that our local and state government could really help assist with, which I think opens the doors to you know, not just us hiring, uh, you know, from all over the world, but hiring more and more from the Pittsburgh region itself, which we do a lot of now. But I think there's opportunities, talent and work ethic of, of everybody here in the state is so high. I, I think there's a big opportunity there uh, for, for Pennsylvania to focus on. It's really amazing that that no matter what industry you talk talk to, it's it really comes down to the people. It comes down to workforce. When, when we talk to everything from manufacturers to retail to technology companies like Meta, it really does come down to the workforce. And I think Pennsylvania definitely has one of the best workforces in the country. Yeah, it's incredible. We, we hear it from everybody who's joined the lab, uh, from everybody outside of the city who's not familiar with this region. Uh, they're, they're really impressed by it. And it's, it's been a big key to our growth and, and why we're here. This has been an incredibly interesting conversation. I just want to thank Chuck Hoover, General Manager of Meta Reality Lab Research in Pittsburgh. Thank you so much for your time today, Chuck. Of course. Thank you so much for having me on, Bill. It's been, uh, I've been in Pittsburgh for a number of years, and it's, it's amazing to see this type of work happening here. Thanks for having me on. Our pleasure. And thank you so much for continuing to be a part of the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry. Thank you for listening to the All Business Podcast from the Pennsylvania Chamber. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. With almost 10,000 member organizations, the Pennsylvania Chamber advocates for job creation and greater prosperity across the Commonwealth. 
Visit our website at pachamber.org to learn more about us, our members, and how to become part of the statewide voice of business. We'll see you next time.